Chandler Adams here today with John Kaufman here to cover the linebacker prospects from the 2020 NFL draft. We've got a unicorn, a true one of a kind at number one. And two through eight, we've got a little bit of varying ranks. But nonetheless, good talks, good debates, a lot of good prospects to learn about here break it down for you why we put them there why we didn't all that and so much more coming up after this break make sure you go ahead and download and subscribe to this podcast we really appreciate it this podcast is also brought to you by anchor.fm anchor.fm is so easy to use it's simple it's fast it's effective it's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform, and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATB Sports, as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. And we're back with the linebackers. I, John, have had the most fun with this group of all the groups we've done. So, oh, I, I really like offensive linemen, but watching linebackers, super fun. Even though their positional value isn't nearly what you know an offensive tackle is. I had a lot of fun researching these guys and watching more film on them for sure. Yeah, no, this was incredible. Like, um, that was, I, I left you very hanging. I was no, like, no, you're good. I thought I was like, is he going to continue? I wasn't sure. So, um, no, and you're right. Like as far as the position group goes, um, and I think maybe, um, like linebacker is so interesting because it isn't, it's not one of the premier positions that, um, you know, they, you typically say like, okay, these are the things you draft highly, you know, in the NFL draft, there's, you know, cornerbacks and edge rushers and uh, tackles, offensive tackles, um, you know, quarterback, things like that. And then, but they're like, but when you find one, like when you find like Luke Keekley, you know, Thomas Davis, like when you have guys like, like that can change your defense and like they're, incredible centerpieces to build around like it, it it you know it's amazing so well like i, I don't i'm not downplaying the importance of any position you know because obviously it's important to be you know pretty solid everywhere but you know i just think it's interesting that you know this is a position that might not be considered you know one of the premier spots you know you're not paying a top free agent you know it's the linebacker free agent like you know shut down corner money but you everybody every coach in the NFL would love to have a linebacker you know like Luke Keekley that's for sure and when you don't you really miss him so yeah this is a and this class is interesting this is a really good group um I think it's like top heavy maybe but there's there are some guys in here that are going to get taken you know be the third fourth fifth name off the board as far as linebackers go and I, I think they're I think they're pretty solid. So I think some guys are going to get some, some teams are going to get some gems, you know, maybe not uh, right away in the draft. So yeah, I'm excited. This is a good one. Yeah. I'd really love to, uh, there's a, 
Twitter handle at Moo underscore PFF. He just wrote an article today going over all offensive positions and their, you know, where you draft them. How does that correlate to their play? And they're like, well, they use their PFF grades, which does correlate directly to your play. Oh, okay. You know, aside from what Buffalo fans think. Uh, (laughs) I don't think we have any Buffalo fans to listen to this podcast. But if we do. No, it's it's so unlikely. So unlikely. uh, Josh Allen sucks. He's. He doesn't suck, but he's not good. And uh, and also to that Sports Illustrated uh, magazine. I need to quit saying that. Uh, that's a bad hat. I don't know when I started that. I never used to do that. Um, um's better. No, it's not. Sound, they both sound bad. Let's <laughs> fill in um and us with Baker Mayfield. No, but the Sports Illustrated guy that wrote an article saying if Odell Beckham Jr. were to be traded this offseason, the Jets could be a potential landing spot where he might be happy. What the hell kind of Kool-Aid are you drinking, old man? For In his article, he wrote, Sam Darnold, who made a promising step in his second year. I thought he was better his first year. And I still like Sam Darnold. And Le'Veon Bell, who I, I wouldn't put money behind Le'Veon Bell right now. Uh... Growing offense of offensive line, like the Jets offensive line is not that good. And just like if you're going to make some outlandish bullshit article, use some common sense. Because John, who's Odell's best friend in the world? Uh Juice. Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry. What coach in the NFL does Jarvis not have a good relationship with? <sighs> Adam Gase. The head coach of the Jets. who I don't remember what that guy's name was, but even if I did, I wouldn't say his name on this damn show. Don't make outlandish, outlandish accusational articles to get clicks. It's bogus. It's bullcrap. And that's why we are here, actually, John, because we were tired of that. 100%. Now, I still say some crazy things, but not that crazy. Speaking of crazy... What a perfect transition. John, first on my list is Isaiah Simmons of Clemson. Shocker, right? I don't think anybody in the world knows who Isaiah Simmons is, so I think it's going to be nice to fill the good people in on him. <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah, you have really, him first really on your shed list. we to the light on this guy, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll we'll let you guys know all about him. But uh, I'll go through and say my whole list real quick, and then John will too. That's how you wanted to do that, right, John? Oh, we're going to save the list. We're going to have to, uh, what's called the, uh, yeah, they'll have to listen to, we'll reveal our rankings one at a time here. So absolutely. So we're not just giving it away. No, we couldn't. We'll have Uh -uh. to put you behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hate that shit. (laughs) Um, all right. So quickly about Isaiah Simmons and I'll let John talk this dude. Like I'm going to, I'll let John talk about his comp. Because me and John just talked about this before we got on, and I don't want to steal it from him. But I'm going to do a comparison because I like not to a player. That's all, John. Isaiah Simmons is a Tesla, but he's not just like the Model 3. Um, for those of you that don't know much about Tesla, the Model 3 is basically a Honda Civic. It's like a, a nice car that almost 
everyone has if they have a Honda. He's the Roadster. The Roadster, not only is it one of the strongest Tesla cars, it is also the quickest car in the world, the fastest 0 to 60 in the world. It goes 700 miles per tank or per charge, and its top speed is like 350 miles per hour or 300 miles per hour or something like that. Holy crap. Like, just an absolute... It might be 260. It's 260 to 340, somewhere in that range. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And it is, for a fact, the quickest car in the world. It, and it's all-wheel drive if you want it to be. Anyway, Isaiah Simmons is that. Like, he is... Kristaps Porzingis is no longer a unicorn. Isaiah Simmons is. This, it, this is my bold take that I said I was going to have. I would take... Isaiah Simmons over Chase Young. I cut my head off right now, all you Buckeye fans, because that is a cardinal sin. I am rooting for a Clemson player over a Buckeye player. That's not allowed. Here's my reasoning. Chase Young is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. He is on the level with the Bosa brothers and Garrett coming out of college. I would say they're in a pretty high prestigious prestigious um, altar all four by themselves but not to take away from what Chase Young has done John you can tell me if I sound crazy but we saw the Bosa brothers do it we saw Miles Garrett do it we saw you know just going back like even defensive linemen we've seen Aaron Donald do it JJ like we've seen these players be absolutely dominant on the defensive line and we've seen players be dominant at linebacker. But we have never, ever, 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 and I don't know that this will ever happen again, have a 6'4", 230-pound linebacker that played 116 snaps on the defensive line, 300 snaps from in the box, 262 covering from the slot, even had 13 out wide. I mean, there are cornerbacks in the NFL that can't play out wide. And they're cornerbacks. Nickel cornerbacks, but that doesn't help my argument, so I'm just going to call them cornerbacks. And and then 132 at free safety. He is... Isaiah Simmons, if I'm a GM... No, even if I'm... Seattle has the best linebacker in the NFL right now, Bobby Wagner. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm Seattle... And K.J. Wright, who can still play just fine. I would take Isaiah Simmons if I were sitting at, you know, to top 10. They're not. They're not. They don't. Like, I, that was a weird, super weird comparison, me saying the Seahawks should take him. But what I'm trying to say is, like, Isaiah Simmons can, can go to any single team in the NFL, and he will instantly be a top three player on their defense. I don't know a team in the NFL that he wouldn't be a top three player right away. One, because of his versatility. And two, he didn't just, he wasn't just out there doing stuff. He was out there doing stuff at levels that most people don't do when they're just that position. He had an 88.2 grade in coverage last year, 85 PFF, 85 grade and against the run, and 81 grade as a pass rusher. Those are some stats that pass rushers, cornerbacks, and traditional 260-pound linebackers or even defensive tackles don't get. 
And then here's my last point to drive this home. On 73 pass rush snaps, he had 30 pressures. That that I there's never been anything like that. And then only allowing 237 yards in coverage on you know at, at however many attempts. I don't know how many pass coverage attempts he had, but it was probably well over 200 at least just by looking at his um, snaps from position. And then nine missed tackles on 94 attempts. I I, I don't even know what to say. I, I know this is going to make people go crazy and think that I'm trying to say hot takes, but I truly am just in my heart think that Isaiah Simmons – it has the more has more value than a Chase Young, which I know is crazy, but that is truly how I feel, because Isaiah Simmons can play on all three levels of the defensive side of the football field. Well, the one, um, so, I, wait, okay, I don't think that's necessarily so. I mean, yes, it's kind of hot takey or whatever by the strict definition, you know, of the phrase. Um, but I, I think if I – so let's say uh, you presented that argument and I had to come up with a – you know, I had to back it up. Whether I agreed with it or not, I have to come up with an argument to back up, you know, the fact that Simmons should be, you know, more coveted by NFL GMs than Chase Young. Um, the, the one thing that I would point to, and this is the, what you led it off with, is that players like Isaiah Simmons – do not come along like you, we may never see a guy like this ever and chase young is like i just saw uh, brett coleman is a um he posts youtube videos and they're they're always film analysis and he is excellent uh explains things in a really great manner and he highlights specific you know the videos about a theme that he wants to talk about and it's just it's really good like he does it in a really you know, not boring way. Sometimes film grinding, film watching can be slightly boring, but, um, but Brett Coleman is fantastic. It's K-O-L-L-M-A-N. So if anybody, you know, if you want to check it out, please do. It's really good. But he was just talking about how he, uh, on Twitter, he just mentioned that he gave uh, Chase Young the highest like edge rushing grade he's ever given anyone. And like, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't argue with that. Like I get it, you know, um, you know, the, the Bosa's are fantastic, but they did have injury, you know, concerns, obviously, and coming in. I mean, that was the big thing with Joey was like, uh, do you really want to spend, you know, a top four pick on a guy like who seemed to be hurt? Um, and then obviously, um, uh, what's his brother's name? I'm totally blanking. The 49er. Uh, um, Nick? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no. Did I, or did I say it right? Yeah. Joey's on the Chargers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So then when Nick Bosa, same thing, like he, you know, he had that injury in the, with Ohio State in like game five or six and then just was like, well, I'm going to shut it down. And it's like, ugh, that's, you know, that's frustrating. So, um, but yeah, Chase Young, I, I mean, there's no, you know, like he, he's amazing. He's, if he, if this, if Burrow wasn't in this class, he would go, you know, number one. Um, and especially with Tua's injury and things like that, injury history. But Anyways, the the point is is that while I even if Chase Young is the highest graded edge rusher, like I just think that if you really had to put together a defense where you're like, all right, if I have Isaiah Simmons, could I could I play 
a sub like a a B level, let's say a graded B level edge rusher versus you know having Chase Young, having an A or A plus ed edge rusher, and then you know going but look at my strong safety or Sam linebacker or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you know, not, we really can't say one position because Simmons is going to play multiple things in the NFL. Like you just said, he played in college as well. So, but, so that would be the argument. Like that would be the thing that I would say, yeah, you know what? Like you, you the versatility you get with Simmons, first of all, is off the charts. And then second of all, like, I just think you could, and I don't want to say that there's a Chase Young, you know, on every team because there isn't. Um, but, and obviously edge rusher is the premier, you know, the more premier position. You're going to get paid there versus, you know, playing, you know, linebacker or strong safety, whatever. Yeah. But like, but guys like Simmons, they just don't come along. And if, you know, it's reciprocal. If, if someone like Simmons is so good at, at coverage or, you know, playing one half of the field or whatever it is, you know, that you're going to ask him to do, then he's going to make other players that much better. And, you know, Chase Young obviously is going to do the same thing. If he's a really effective rusher, you can get away with subpar corners and maybe an okay safety, you know, if they're just not tested that often because the quarterback's on his ass every play. So, but yeah, with Simmons, I think that's like, if I had to defend your argument, I would definitely say like, look, he's more versatile. And that to me is a little bit more valuable than having, you know, what might be considered a, a really premier, you know, type edge rusher. But but as far as Simmons goes, I mean, there just isn't, there's nothing he doesn't do well. Like it's, it's incredible. He's, you said 6'4", 230. Like, so his length is incredible. He doesn't allow blockers to get in on him in control. Like he's got, you know, long arms, um, keeps, you know, keeps blockers away. He's good at stacking blocks. Um, his IQ, you know, his football IQ is off the charts, obviously. He's incredible. Just so fast, you know, lateral, uh, mobility, like agility, things like that is, um, I think the, what is the one weakness is like zone coverage skills or zone coverage anticipation. And it's like, okay, well, you, like, you're just putting that because the word weakness exists on the page and you just <laughs> didn't want to leave a blank. Like, okay, I guess, sure. That's the one weakness, but yeah, there isn't anything you can't do. Like he'll, he'll be so effective. So he probably will translate as I don't like, he's not going to be a middle linebacker, obviously, but um, like, he feels like he'll be a free safety or a strong safety or someone that, you know, is going to kind of be a secondary player, but also be someone that you can send, you know, on maybe, I don't know, three blitzes a game. And he's going to be incredibly disruptive. So um, I think the last thing I'll say about him is this. If, like we said, comps, there really isn't a comp for him. But the one thing that makes me is really intriguing is, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, when Minka was coming out, the, the one concern was, okay, what position is he going to play? Because he was kind of in between size-wise for a few different things. He really, he didn't, he never really played like outside corner at Alabama. So, you know, you weren't going to really stick him, you know, as like a, a true man corner. Um, in the NFL and then like free safety wise, like he's, he's not a box safety. He's not a free safety. So if he ends up being a slot corner, that's fine. But it's like, could you draft like a slot corner at number eight overall? Like that would be really, really weird. Um, and I think the NFL is transitioning to obviously not, well, we're already there basically, a, you know, more pass heavy league. Um, so, you know, NFL defenses are in base, like 
I don't know, something like 18 or 22% of the time, it's really low. Like they're playing nickel and other, you know, defenses a ton. So you need slot corners, of course. Um, but coming out, it was just like, uh, where's he going to play? Well, now, you know, we've seen him on two different teams and especially this past season with Pittsburgh, um, you know, he, Fitzpatrick was, was just awesome. He just had a great, great season and was, you know, so disruptive and just everywhere. It seemed like, uh, nose for the ball, you know, just amazing. So that's, that's the kind of thing, like, I think that's what you can expect out of Simmons only like he's bigger. So he's, he's, um, and faster. So he's going to be like a more effective, you know, edge rusher, uh, if they choose to put him, you know, line him up out there and, and, you know, send him. um, you know, I, I just, they're like, it's Minka, it's a bigger, faster Minka Fitzpatrick. And, you know, it, taking the analysis, like the uh, analyst hat off for a second, just one brief second. Uh, if, if speaking as a Browns fan real quick, like this is the player that they have to take at 10. If this guy is gone, I would consider trading back or doing other things. You know what I mean? Like there, there are many options available, obviously. But if this guy's on the board at 10, just run to the, I don't even care if you're writing his name on the card as you're running up to the podium, like run to the podium and call this guy's name out. Yeah, you have to. I, Browns fans refuse to think that you can draft a non-offensive tackle in the first round. And offensive tackle is super important, but there's not a guy in this draft that, from what we all know right now, that is as transcendent as Isaiah Simmons is going to be in the NFL. So, I think Andrew Thomas is a future all-pro tackle, which is fine. But we play in a division against Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. You need help to beat those guys on defense. I, John, if, we, if I get into that, I'll keep going for hours. But. <laughs> no, but just real fast, and then we can move on after this. Um, like you know, if, if you're really, and, and again, I am a Browns fan. So, you know, speaking as a fan real fast, um, like the draft is, it's re it's really about, you know, maximizing, you know, every pick, right. And not necessarily picking for need, right. Like, I think that's where a lot of teams get into trouble is, you know, you pick for need. Okay. Well, you need a tackle. Well, what if you draft a tackle and he turns out to be not as good as you thought he was? you still have a need for tackle, right? Like, so that's a problem. It's not, you're not guaranteed to solve your need problems, right? So if you're just taking players that you think are the best available and they turn out to be, you know, I mean, obviously if if Isaiah Simmons is a bust and we take him a 10, that's a problem. Of course it's a problem. You know, any player that busts is the 10th overall pick is, you know, going to hurt the team that took him. But like, I, I just, I think the, first of all, the, the rarity of this kind of a player who just doesn't exist, right? Again, Minka Fitzpatrick, but bigger and faster. Like, you know, it, it's incredible. The versatility he brings, the rarity that he, it, you know, just himself that he is, mixed with the depth at offensive tackle, like, you you can solve that problem in the second round, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you, you like, I, I hope this is true, but I was looking at Jake Trotter, um, who covers the Browns for ESPN, 
And he mentioned today that, you know, the Browns are, you know, Jack Conklin is on their radar. That's someone they're definitely going to be interested in, you know, trying to sign. So you bring him in as a free agent and put him on the right side. And then you draft yourself a tackle on the left side and you add Isaiah Simmons. Like if the tackle you draft is worth a damn anything, you know, if he's, oh God, not, uh, Austin Corbett. Oh my God. Um, but if he's worth the damn, then, you know, you, you can, you've added Conklin, you can get a tackle, you got Isaiah Simmons. I mean, that, that's incredible. Like taking a really good tackle at 10, just because you need that position. It's like, okay, but what, you know, what, what what's left for you in the second round is, is the safety that you're going to take there. Any like, he's probably nowhere even close to Simmons. So like you have to do what's best for the team overall. And this guy is it for sure. 100%. Like, please, please Browns get this done. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons is, we may never see another player like him, which I know might be overstating, but I truly, I truly uh, think that John, who do you, who do you have second on your list? So everyone's just going to be a disappointment now compared to Simmons, but well, it's interesting because the rest of these guys, like, you know, Simmons is so special and we could have really, we could have put him in the safeties conversation. You know, we could have put him, you know, a couple different places, really. Like he's listed as an edge um, on one of the sites I was on earlier. I'm like, why? I can't find Simmons. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, wait a minute. What? It's like, hold on. Or no, maybe it was an edge. Maybe it was corner or something. I don't know. But anyways, I was like, I couldn't find him. And I'm like, of course, he's at a different position. Duh. But, um, but the rest of these guys... It'll be interesting because they're like true, true, you know, linebackers. So, you know, Simmons technically is that, but he's, like I say, he's probably, he profiles as like a slot corner slash safety. So, you know, he's going to be used in a much more versatile way. The rest of these guys are going to be like true linebackers. And my number two uh, is Patrick Queen from LSU. Um, And this is interesting because I know you have him further down your list, uh, like much further. Um, I do. And the the reasons that you're going to talk about why you don't have him up high i'll let you go into that later um so queen is 6'1 227 um so size right off the bat is an issue and that's that's his main concern that's the one thing that's gonna you know that has to be solved or you have to be able to look at him and say yeah he's got a pretty thick frame though um so he should be able to put on the right kind of weight in the nfl and if that's the way that you feel about him then I, I think it's wheels up because um, first of all, he translates as a middle linebacker. He should, he's, I believe he's going to play middle linebacker in the NFL. And if that's the case, well, that's an important position, obviously. So that's somebody that we got to get, uh, you know, a really good, a good player at that position. So that's excellent. Second, the thing that I like about him is two things. First of all, with linebackers, one of the most important things is uh, their feet. Do they make false steps? So, when, they're, when their eyes are in the backfield and the, the second after the ball is snapped and the quarterback goes you know, back and it looks like a, you know, a run, play action, whatever it happens to be, you see a lot of running backs, uh, linebackers, excuse me, will, uh, they will make false steps. They'll, they'll start to go in a direction that they shouldn't be going in. And Queen's feet are excellent. He rarely, rarely missteps. And so once he, which, and this is tied into his football IQ, he is recognizing what he's seeing. And not only that, but he's not getting fooled by stuff. And I mean, of course, play action, you know, it works on everybody. I mean, that's the whole point. That's why you do it. Um, but, but the point is, is that the false steps are really, really important. And this guy is really good. Um, 
at having his feet, um, you know, he's not misstepping, um, which again speaks to his IQ, which is great. The second thing is, is that the, the biggest issue with most linebackers when you go through the list of college prospects is a lot of them don't translate as three down players um, in the NFL. And that's an issue because if that's the case, then these are day two, late day two, day three guys, because there's, you know, three, four downs. And you, if I can't use you for half of them, you know, or a third of them, that's a problem. So, you know, these guys aren't going to go very high, obviously, if that's the case. But Queen is a three down player. So he is, uh, he's, he might be the best zone coverage linebacker um, in this draft. And that's the reason I have him up high at number two, because he's going to play on all three downs um, because he's a, he's great in zone coverage. So he's not a liability on third down when you, you're most likely going to keep your middle linebacker in some, you know, some schemes don't. Um, but, you know, a lot of teams run Tampa two things like that. And that's where the linebacker has to get back ba- basically and play center field. Um, so Queens, a guy that can do that right off the bat. Um, LSU didn't have him much in man coverage and that's probably schematic just because of the, they don't have their mic, you know, covering, maybe it was somebody else taking a linebacker or a tight end, but so not much to really know about that, but that's, you know, I'm sure it's not a big deal. He is plenty fast and everything. Um, so he is an excellent blitzer. He's a very good scrape defender, um, filling holes, uh, He's that's the other thing. He's really good despite the fact that he's not the biggest guy. And so if if he's already good at that with some, you know, size issues, then it's only going to get better if he adds, you know, the right kind of weight. Um, and then what's it called? He's also long for his size, despite the fact that he's not that tall. He's he's long, uh, long, you know, long arms, um, which is, you know, really, really helpful because short guy, small guy that does have small arms, that's a huge problem. He's just going to get eaten alive by long arm tackles, you know, and even some guards. Um, and then his burst and lateral speed are outstanding. So, you know, three down guy, um, really intelligent, great feet. And, you know, that's, I, that's the reason I had him up high. Um, just like I said, because of the three down stuff, but, um, but yeah, size is a concern. He definitely needs to add on the right kind of weight and everything like that. So, but, uh, yeah. That's Patrick Queen. I don't really disagree with anything you said. However, the reason I have him down to eight, this is going to be a pretty pretty short reasoning. He has only had one year where he's really been a standout player, which always scares me. Mm-hmm. And two, for all the guys that I watched that were his size, he was by far the least explosive. I don't have a problem with people being small because you'll see later I have a pretty small court linebacker at number three. But he's just – I just didn't feel the, like, the juice from Patrick Queen with watching him. And I think – I think some people are getting caught up in the Kool-Aid of the national championship game. Now, I don't think you are because you had a, you had a sound reasoning – I thought why you thought he was number two was absolutely great. And I don't disagree with you. He very well ended up might be in the second best linebacker in this class. I was just worried about how much juice he lacked on film. But if he comes and tests well, I'll be damned. Uh, it'll change. That's why the combine's there. Um, but if he interviews and tests well, then I'll, I'll move him up. 
but that was just my only concern with him. That's, that's fair. That's really all. That's fair. Yeah. Um, who'd you have at number two? At number two, I had another guy that just kind of lacked juice. That's Troy Dye of Oregon. Oh, yeah. So he's big. He's Isaiah Simmons' size, 6'4", 226. Um, he's... When I the first thing I noticed when I was watching him is I rewatched um, one of their late games and he was wearing a giant club on his hand, and he dropped back into coverage on the tight end, tight end, tight end ran a little out route, and Troy Dye jumped it, so it was a great coverage play, but then he intercepted it while falling backwards, out of bounds. Tight end <laughs> draped on him, one handed. Because he has no fingers on his right hand because he's wearing a massive club because he broke his hand. He kept playing through that. Um, so, like, right away I was like, okay, this kid can play. Because it's, it's stupid, but um, we might have a special guest on the show coming up soon that John knows very well, who is a defensive-minded human being. And, John, I'm sure that defensive-minded human being you know would agree that if you're just watching a player, a lot can be said about how they, their ball instincts. Like that's a big part of what a defensive player looks for in a player. It might sound stupid, and I know the old saying, "Oh, you're a cornerback because you can't catch." Coaches don't prefer the cornerback to not be able. To, like, if you're a great athlete and you have great ball skills, you it just makes you a better football player. And so, like right away, I was like, okay. Troy Dye can play, f like, he can, he's just a good athlete. And it sounds stupid, but if you watch the play, I cannot remember, I'll tweet it out who I was watching him play against. But uh, you just watch a play where someone looks so graceful, yet so powerful doing it, catching a ball with one hand. It's just, it, it's a really good start to watching the tape, which I don't think that's why I have him at number two, but like it did give huh. me a generous view of him. And then yeah. the more I watched, I was like, okay, so this guy doesn't miss tackles. And then I looked at PFF's grades, and he was one of the best run defenders since 2016. Uh, three years straight, 2016, four years straight, 17, 18, 19. Anyway, he only allowed 211 yards all year in coverage. But, like I said at the beginning of this, the only thing that worries me is he lacks explosiveness. But there are linebackers in the NFL who are very good who lack explosiveness. Um, I would say, just because we have a lot of Browns listeners, someone like Joe Schobert, or go back a couple years to Quell Jackson. They're not freak athletes. They're intelligent. They are good. They, not to Quell Jackson. Joe Schobert was good in cover. Is good in coverage. And is a smart player, able to command the defense. Dequell Jackson just didn't miss tackles, was literally a ball hawk when they were running the ball. Uh, but these are guys that don't have to be freak athletes to thrive in the NFL. But that, that So Troy Dye kind of gives me like, I don't have a comp for him, but he's definitely not like, um, he's not your Isaiah Simmons. He's not your... Dion Buchanan, if any of you remember him, the failed linebacker experiment down in Carolina. Oh, yeah. Uh, Carolina, Arizona. Yeah, I was going to say. I, miss, I, I was thinking the Arizona Cardinals, and then, like, 
Carolina came out of that. Washington State, right? Buchanan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not like he's not a he's not going to beat anybody with speed or quickness. It's between the ears and his ability to put his head down and work. I I really like Troy Dye. He was really and he showed up in big games. Aside from what his quarterback did, Troy Dye showed up in big games. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll talk. I'll touch on him when we hit him in uh, my list. So, um, okay. What's it called? But um, my actually, why don't you go ahead? What? Who's your number three? My number three, John. Thank you for asking. Is maybe one of my favorite players in the draft. Ooh, nice. Akeem Davis Gather. Oh, nice. Good. Linebacker exactly. for Appalachian State. Um. So, like Patrick Queen, uh, Davis, he's tiny. He's actually tinier than Patrick Queen. I think he's six foot tall, 200 and some pounds. He's light. He's small. Uh, but, believe it or not, he was on the edge. Let me, wait, let me see this. Rushed against tackles 190 times off the edge. Wow. Still had, are you ready for this? Yep. He still had a 82.2 pass rushing gate against tackles on 190 attempts. And he's 219 pounds. Okay, six foot, 219 pounds. That's impressive. Yeah. He had 316 passes in coverage. He was, uh, he was, he was really good in coverage. He wasn't um, Isaiah Simmons good by any means. No, he's about Troy Dye. But they, Troy Dye and him do not play the same. So Akeem Davis Gather is quick. I don't know if he will be the best tester at the Combine. For those of you that love the Combine, he'll be up there. Um, my number five linebacker might be the fastest 40 time maybe. But this Akeem Davis Gather, he's going to – I don't know what to call him. Like I'm just going to call him Akeem because I hate saying hyphen last names. No offense, Akeem. Come on the show. I love you. Um, <laughs> his sideline to sideline speed, uh, speed, his ability to cover running backs, all of that was fantastic. I think he's going to kill the combine, the drills especially. I think he's going to shoot right up to draft boards where he should be. But he's my number three. Yep. That's excellent. Um, yeah. he's. I like him a lot too. I'll talk about – I'll touch on him in a minute. Um my three, uh, my number three is Malik Harrison from Ohio State. Okay. Um, so this is uh, 6'3", 246. Um, so, Whew. yeah, nice size, big boy. Real linebacker. Um, so, yep, and he uh, he should, he profiles as a Mike. Uh, he should be a middle in the NFL. Um, so this guy, I mean, oh, man, just – these are the kind of guys that come out of like, I don't want to say nowhere because obviously, you know, had a really good season and a half basically, but, but these are guys like where probably when they, you know, the red shirt years or, you know, first like year playing their sophomore year, they don't, they, you don't think of them as like, Oh, this is like a top 45, you know, guy in the NFL. Like he's, um, you, you know what I mean? Like top 45 picks in the draft, like, uh, you know, they they really surprise and it's through their play and this is this is what really stands out with him is that you know his tape is incredible he looks really good um so 
the one thing that, and I don't mean to start with his cons, but the one thing that jumps out right away is that he, this guy, Harrison will most likely be uh, a two down player, at least in the beginning when he starts his career. Um, so, and, and that's, you know, like I said, that's one of the things that I liked Patrick Queen for, and I, you know, moved him up a notch because of it and thus, you know, moved other guys down, um, just because of that. So, um, so that's the concern. And the reason is because his, he has coverage, uh, zone coverage issues. So the, and I mean like anticipation, um, and just a general feel for like the, the, the routes that you typically see, you know, like if, um, if he's dropping, you know, and, and there's like a crosser, like where, you know, where's the front crosser, where's the back one is one in front of you, behind you. And if so, how far, and you just, some guys just have a natural feel for the position and they just kind of know where everybody is without really, you know, looking, they just feel it. Um, he doesn't have that. And I'm not, I have no idea if that's something that can be taught or can never be taught. Or, I mean, I, it feels like it's something that with repetition, you know, you would gain an understanding of, oh, okay, I see. Like now I'm starting to get more comfortable with it. So, um, so if that's the case, you know, I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be. So, you know, nothing to really knock him down for say, no, he can, he'll never be on the field on third down, you know, in the NFL. Um, but so with uh, Malik Harrison, the pros, um, his football IQ is really impressive um, with respect to his reactive uh, quickness. So this is someone who like he diagnoses things instantly and he sees it right away and he, he doesn't get fooled very often. Um, so he's quick to gaps, things like that. Like he doesn't, you know, there, there aren't big runs because he was just late getting to the gap because he got fooled. Um, so he's reactively, he's very quick. Um, he's a very good run defender, which is fantastic. Cause obviously that's one of the things that really sets apart, you know, college prospects is look, even if they don't run a lot in the NFL, you can't be a liability on the run, um, you know, defending the run. So, um, this is a strong physical player, uh, and a good tackler, um, despite not being the longest, which is a little surprising considering he's considering his size, but, um, but he's still, he's very good at, uh, keeping blockers away from his body at stacking blocks. Um, which if you don't know what that means, stacking is like making, um, it's locking up with the blocker and keeping him stacked in front of you so that you can shed it to either side, depending on where the ball carrier goes, or, you know, if, um, there's another scrape defender to help you out, things like that. So, um, that's a pretty, that's an important thing for linebackers to be, you know, very good at. Um, and then, um, his first step, uh, filling gaps is really good. Uh, sideline, um, Lateral movement is okay. It's not the best, but that kind of shows up with some of those zone coverage issues and things like that. So maybe, again, maybe it's just a footwork issue. Maybe it's just a comfort issue, you know, stuff that might be, hopefully could be uh, improved upon. But, um, but yeah, I, it, if it's just a confidence thing and just seeing more reps, in, you know, in zone coverage and stuff, then um, I don't see any reason why this guy can't be uh, eventually a three down player. And if he does, uh, get to that point. I think the other traits that he already possesses um, will put him kind of ahead of some of the other guys on this list. Um, so yeah, despite the fact that he, you know, like I said, might not be a two down player or might not be a three down player right away. Uh, I like him a lot. That's for sure. And um, uh, yeah, so that's number three, Malik Harrison. I, it's like, I try to piss off Buckeye fans. I don't have him in my top 10. Um, 
most I I agree with most of what you said. I think part of his uh, accomplishments partially are, you know, he had that great D line in front of him and Jeffrey Kuda and Damon Arnett on the outside. But but all of that aside, like he is a talented player. But the biggest reason I didn't have him in the top ten because I mean the ten I have are good. The, I have eight right now, so I guess he could be ten, but I doubt it. They're they all are able to cover the pass cover the pass well and I think that's something that Malik Harrison struggles at greatly right now like you said if he can get to that point if he can get to that point I think his stock and value go up tremendously but I just in today's NFL being a two-down linebacker hurts hurts your stock and your value value a lot. But yeah, if if he can get to that third down, if he is able to, you know, just be reactive and sometimes proactive, but reactive to the people around him, like you said, he is just unable to have that feel of uh, where people are, you know, especially in like his own coverage scheme. His uh, he can be a good linebacker. He, I, he is just not there as a pass coverage guy yet, which is why I was hesitant to put him on. Yeah, that's true. It's not. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what I said for negatives. So you're right. Um, and it, it's a concern if he never if he never turns the corner. Like it's he's useless. There's a bunch of guys who are you know pretty big that are pretty athletic that you know, they can't do everything. Like that's the whole point of being in the NFL. You need guys that are, you know, good everywhere. So yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree at all. So, um, yep. So how about uh, number four? Who you got there? Ooh, number four. I got a good one. I got Zach Bond, former edge rusher for Wisconsin. Yes. I, he will not be playing edge in the NFL. Uh, he officially, Announced at the Senior Bowl that he did not want to be playing edge, and he wants to make the switch to off-ball linebacker. And John, he reminds me of a certain Wisconsin uh, former edge rusher that I I really enjoy. His name's Joe Schobert. I don't <laughs> think their play styles are very similar at all, but it's the same exact career path. And while their play styles aren't necessarily similar, um, their ability to cover the pass is Joe Schobert's obviously one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the NFL the past two years. And over the past two seasons, Zach Bond on 190 pass coverage snaps as an edge rusher. So you know that they knew he could do this, Wisconsin. Um, he had pass coverage grades of 81 two years ago and this past season, 87, which is phenomenal. As I guess I'll, we can't group him as an edge. If I can't say that's phenomenal for an edge if I'm going to say he's a linebacker. So, but 87 pass coverage grade for a linebacker is extraordinary. That's that's all you can hope for. Yeah. Um, that's His man coverage skills are still need refined when, uh, you know, he's guarding – when he covers a tight end, guarding a tight end, basketball – <laughs> but his ability to be able to um, smell out a running back in the uh, backfield is super good. He's really good at that, and I think that's just because he's more comfortable playing up towards the line more. I think comfort is part of what will make him 
what is part comfort is part of what will help him start to be able to cover tight ends and playing zone um, deeper back than just on the line. But what I was really impressed with the um, the handful of screens I saw thrown while he was playing, whether he was rushing the passer or dropping into coverage, his ability to sneak, like sniff out the the screen was tremendous. And, I mean, just one of the best block shedders in this draft and he's a linebacker and I mean he was one of the best he's one of the best statistical draft shedders in the draft overall ends line um, defensive tackles linebackers all of them and part of that's just because he's uber flexible but he's also uber strong for his size. I think he's only 240 pounds. I don't have their sizes. I should have wrote it down. Six three two forty. You're right. Okay. okay. And he had a 91 pass pass rushing grade off the edge against Big Ten tackles. So he is a do it all guy. I think he makes a transition well into an off ball linebacker position. I don't not. I do not know what he's like between the ears. I don't know him, obviously. I think the combine will help. The combine will is a make or break for a guy like Zach Bond on his draft stock, mm-hmm. because you know not a lot of people know if he can play linebacker. If he does well in the drills, does well testing, does well in the interviews, because if you're gonna be, uh, especially if they want him to play middle linebacker like Joe, you got to be there between the ears. You got to be a leader and. That's just stuff you can't always take away from from watching film. You can't tell who is who has leadership characteristics on the field if you're just watching a game. Body language is a big part of that. But I, even if he drops back in the draft, I don't know that he'll be drafted. I know he will not be drafted as one of the top four linebackers because there's still way too many football guys out there running teams. But... Zach Bond, my fourth linebacker, subject to change after the combine, yep, good or bad. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching him. I thought he was. I I think he's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about him in a minute. He's on my list for sure. So like him a lot. Um, the versatility is yeah outstanding. And like you said, if he nails that combine, he that's someone. Who, He'll fly up. I think he could be one of the top four linebackers taken if he really, you know, stands out at the combine because someone that has that pedigree is like sort of an edge rusher. Like if there's if you think he can be that versatile, like it's, you know, like I said, there's only two or three guys in linebackers that are three down players right now that we know of. So if all of a sudden you think that he's that guy, like he could be the third linebacker taken easy. So I don't think you're very far off at all. I think that's a really good assessment. Um Oh, my number four guy is, uh, he's so mad. This is so maddening. And this is like, this is admittedly probably two spots too high on this list um, because of the negatives, but the positives are so, oh God, like intriguing and unbelievable. So I have Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma fourth. Hmm. Um, He's 6'2", 234. So this is a guy who's going to be either a, He'll be a 3-4, like, strong inside linebacker, or he'd be a Sam, uh, strong side backer in a 4-3. His 
athleticism, explosiveness, speed, range, uh, consistency with tackling, intelligence, football IQ are all unbelievable. Um, just game after game, tape after tape, re really, really stellar stuff all the time from him. Really, really good stuff. The, the thing that uh, it's so maddening with him and he really reminds me uh not in style but in one specific aspect um of Roquan Smith so uh Roquan Smith was a you know linebacker from Georgia and the Bears took him you know eighth overall in the 2018 draft and Smith was excellent the one thing that Smith was really poor at was taking on direct blocks like if it was sort of a power run play and there was going to be a guard or center, you know, like getting up to his level quickly. The the tape from Alabama that year, like, was hilarious. Like, no joke. Like, every one of his negative plays are run plays where the guard gets up into him and he's just like, like 25 yards downfield and cannot, cannot get off the block. Like, he's just backpedaling, backpedaling, back. Like, you would teach him at some point, like Roquan, man, just fall down, dude. Like you're, you're better off falling down seven yards away from the line of scrimmage than you are 25 yards on your feet running backwards. Like maybe you'll trip somebody. Maybe the running back will fall into you. Like maybe you can get half a tackle that way. But I mean, it was unbelievable. And it's not that teams like knew it or didn't know it. It's that the ones that had capable interior blockers, like Alabama just killed him. I mean, he just, he, he was, it was embarrassing. He was really, really bad at that. Um, and so that was the one thing that I was concerned about coming out when, you know, the bears took him so high. I was like, Oh God, if he's going to get smoked, you know, and by a run defender or run blockers. Um, but so far, you know, I mean, it's still a bit of a concern, but he's largely done really well. Um, and that's not to say that Kenneth Murray will, you know, be really good because Roquan Smith, you know, did, but, um, mm -hmm. but the, the, that issue is there. Like, uh, taking on blocks, it's a, it's a weakness. What's really frustrating is he's he, Murray is long, but he lets blockers get into him and control him. Like he, he does not hold them out, lock his arms, keep them at bay. Um, so, and, and that's probably just a mindset thing or a technique issue. Like he, he has the length to do it. So I, I don't know. It, it's, it's very, very strange. Um, so, I think that's the one thing there, there are um, the other negative is there are some plays on tape where like, he, it's just baffling. Like he looks so lost where you're just like, what you have no idea what the, where the ball is, what the offense is doing. No clue. Like, you know, it's just a few plays here or there, but the ones that stand out are maddening and it doesn't seem like it would come from a player of his caliber um, with that size speed combination and everything where you'd be like, what, wait, why are you so you're so lost? Like, how could this be? So, um, so this guy is really potential and he has to, he must get rid of, you know, negatives. And if he does, he could be a very good player, um, because of all the positive attributes I mentioned and, um, size speed guys like this don't, um, you know, don't come along very often, but, uh, but yeah, he, those weaknesses are apparent and they're there and they are things that, NFL coaches will like absolutely exploit from the start. So either he fixes this right away or he's a special teams guy at best. And that's that. So, 
Uh, hoping he can, that'd be great. But yeah, if he doesn't, I'm not going to be super surprised. But like I said, probably up maybe a tick too high on my list, but he's just so damn intriguing that I had to put him at number four. Yeah, I, uh, we're already about an hour of recording, so I'm going to keep this one short because I thought you did a fantastic job, especially when you opened, how you were like so, you were torn by putting him here. Ugh. He had 50 missed tackles in three years. Yep. But like you said, his good is so fun and so damn explosive that it's unbelievable. I mean, I he is the most exciting player to watch blitz out of these linebackers in this draft. Would you agree with that? Like, Oh, um, yeah, yeah, except Simmons is number one at everything. So take Simmons out. Yes, I totally agree. But I don't think Simmons is more fun to watch blitz. I think he does it oh. better. I think okay. Kenneth Murray is the that's most a good point. exciting. Because yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Some of just watching Oklahoma live, I have watched Oklahoma play the past. I didn't watch them as much this year, but just like live before watching tape, loved Baker in college, loved Kyler Murray in college. So I've been watching Kenneth Murray, and he's insanely talented. But it's almost just like he hasn't been refined yet, which is a very real possibility. When was the last time an elite linebacker came out of a Big 12, specifically Oklahoma? It's, That's a good point. Yeah, it's just it doesn't happen. And, yep. And not only – like Oklahoma – not Oklahoma, big 12 schools rely on their defensive backs way too much because it's air raid conference. But anyway, Kenneth Murray, while he's super and super athletic and fun, he was terrible in pass coverage, but it's one of those things where see with me, Kenneth Murray is much more, he's much more explosive than Malik Harrison. So that's why Murray is on my list. Um, he is at six for me right now, so not too far off, two two, two positions. But uh, yep, his upside is so much higher than Malik Harrison, and that's why, because they're not the same player, but they have the same cons, the same weaknesses in the pass coverage grade, in my opinion. But yeah, because sure. Kenneth Murray, if he was a good pass coverage guy or even average, uh, and had like the missed tackles, had the plays where he just didn't seem like he was there. I, there would be absolutely no red flags with me for him. If he goes to the right coach, though, gets in the right system, gets a veteran linebacker to help him, oh, my good Lord. Because you can't teach speed, and you can't teach people to bring it up a notch. And he, you have to tell him to bring it down a notch, which is way easier to coach. I love it. Who do you have at five? Okay, so um, five is Troy Dye. Um and this is great because these are some we're going to get into some guys that we've already mentioned before. So, um, but yeah, I like what you said about Dye was excellent. Like he he did play really big in big games, which was fantastic. Um, so, like just you, you know, like you want your players to show up in spots, and he did. And that's you know that's like such a I feel like that can be overlooked sometimes, and it's frustrating when it is because it's like what like why why wouldn't how is playing good in, in really big, important spots, not like some, a desirable trait, you know, something we should be looking for. Like it, it absolutely is. So, um, but yeah, 
like this is a smart player. He's a downhill player, which is fantastic. Like this is a guy once he gets going, he's going. You know, he's not a start and stop guy. Like you need linebackers to know to diagnose it and get there now. Like just get there. And they're not always making plays when that's happening. That's not the point. Like you, you know, you're you're filling gaps and like that's important because, you know, it's not you know, the running back's got to go somewhere else and whether the play's designed there or not, like if that's your responsibility, get to it, do it. And he does it. So that's excellent. Um, we, with, uh, what's it called? His uh, range too, his ability to just, you know, be in multiple, not multiple places, but do multiple things and just, you know, it, it feels like he's all over, you know, all over the field. Um, so that's, I like that a lot. He, uh, he is a little small. So that's really the only con I, I kind of have. I mean, he needs to, you know, he needs to be bulkier. Like he's got to put on some, um, some bulk. So, but, um, what's it called? And then like little things, I don't know, like there's, you know, this lacks consistency playing through contact and getting off blocks and stuff like, oh, okay. I, I, you know, I get it. Like that might be a slight, you know, a bit of a concern and stuff, but, um, I don't know guys, guys with his anticipation and his IQ, I, I feel like that's a much like having that as your positive is a much better thing than having, you know, getting off blocks is your negative because you can get off blocks. Like you can learn to do that, but instinct, like being instinctual, like it's, it's exactly what it is, what it sounds like. It's instinctual. So, you know, that's, those are basically impossible things to teach, you know? So, and he has it. And so, you know, that's fantastic, but yeah. Um, for all the reasons you said and that, that's, uh, that's why I have Troy die at, uh, Oh, I didn't know if I said, but six four two twenty five. So, um, but yeah, that's Troy Dye, number uh, five. My number five, Troy Dye is the number two linebacker in this class, by the way, people don't listen to John. But my number five is <laughs> uh, Willie Gay Jr. Now I will preface this with he would be my number two linebacker if there were no off-the-field issues. Just listen to these grades. In 2017, he had an 87 pass coverage grade. 18, he had a 90, and in 19, he had a 90. So he can cover the pass at an elite level that only Isaiah Simmons can do better. But throughout his entire career, I'm reading this right from PFF because I can tell you I do not watch every snap. I have not watched every snap of Billy Gay Jr.'s career, but PFF has, and that is why they know if players are good or not. Anyway... He only played 294 snaps. So, for example, we were talking about Isaiah Simmons earlier. He played 299 snaps in the box this year alone. He played 262 in the slot this year alone. I So that's weird. It, and when I was watching, um, I'll make another Browns reference because I, I think most of our f- listeners are Browns fans. He kind of played like a Jannard Avery. Uh, his, his first co- couple seasons at uh, Mississippi State, which was weird because when he it, when he was on the field covering the pass, he was elite at it. But they didn't want to keep him in there on third downs, and they didn't want to bring him in there for non-sub package plays. It was so confusing because I went back and watched 17, and he was pretty raw. And last year in 18, it's like, the way this dude moves, outside of Isaiah Simmons, I'm not going to compare anyone to Isaiah Simmons. He's a goddamn unicorn. 
correct? Willie Gay Jr. moves like linebackers should not. So you look at the best linebacker in the NFL right now, the past five years, it's been Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley is the more athletic of those two, obviously. But Luke Keekley doesn't move as fluid as Willie Gay Jr. However, they're probably about as fast. Willie Gay Jr. will be one of the fastest linebackers. This is the guy I said um, Akeem would not run as fast as. Willie Gay Jr. is fast. He's able to cover. He's able to rush the passer. So you might be thinking, why is he number five, Chandler? That's a great question. Um, he was injured at the beginning of this season. Then I, the first game I watched was his game against Kentucky for this year, for the 2019 season. Hmm. And his very first play, John, this guy goes ahead and gets a pick six. It, and there <laughs> are there are impressive pick sixes, and then there are nice. there are you were just there, you got lucky pick sixes. You know, um, he was just lucky. He was there on a tip pass. However, he turned it into the, what did I just see? He, the the way he was able to outrun wide receivers, the running back for Kentucky, it was just, it's unbelievable. If you go watch Willie Gay Jr. play, in the back of your mind, you'll be thinking, what the hell am I watching? Why is there no more, why is there not much talking about this guy? And it's because he was just suspended for the last eight games of the season and no one ever said why so something happened you don't suspend your best player for eight games just for fun so a lot like um you know well actually that's not like Joplite. last year Joplite interviews for some reason he went from a first round pick to a third round pick because the idiot didn't know how to talk uh <laughs> But it's going to be one of those situations where what happens between now and the and the draft is going to be huge for him. He needs to prove to a team that hey, I'm not I'm not a risk. There are guys out there that will take risks on him though. However, I'm sad to say I don't think the Browns are a team that are going to take risks. Now, if he's sitting there in the 5th round, we don't have 5th round pick. 4th or 6th round, Willie Gay Jr., if I'm if as long as this was not abuse related, because that is something I do not have tolerance for. If this was drugs or, um, I don't know, you know, misconduct, like treating your coaches poorly, anything like that, this is the type of guy you take shots on late in the draft. Even Antonio Callaway, like I was okay with that. What he did was stupid, but he didn't abuse someone that, that, that's like, no, no, that's no. Even someone like Tyreek Hill. So I don't think that's what happened with Willie Gay Jr. because there wasn't a lot of talk about cops being involved. But this is the type of guy you take a shot on in the fourth through seventh round if he's sitting there, and then he becomes your all-pro linebacker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you obviously went to the John Dorsey school of GMing. Um, oh, no, so I don't like... take – no, 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 no. He he will take anybody that's had issues. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And that's that. That's the thing is because I forgot to preface. I forgot to preface what I was going to say with if I'm the Browns now with analytics. A lot of analytics say that when you get to the fifth, even the fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, 
you start to take a mix of football players that are unathletic. There are a lot of good football players that will not get drafted highly because they tested poor at the combine. Happens every year. Okay. And then there are a number of not as good football players who test absurdly insane at the combine. Happens every year. The the analytics say you, if you take a good mix, like not just analytics, but statistics say if you take a mix of both of those, your odds of finding that diamond go up. Because if you take all you take all these explosive athletes that weren't very good football players, well, then you have zero chance of finding a good football player who wasn't a freak athlete. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, so what I'm saying is Willie Gay Jr. is both of those. He is a freak athlete and a phenomenal football player. And if he's sitting there past round, even in round four, I would run this card up as fast as I did Isaiah Simmons at 10 overall if I'm the Browns. As fast. Yeah. Yep. And um, yes, John Dorsey did teach me how to GM. So, <laughs> so we don't know. Um, like the, the issues in college, I'm guessing it was just the that standard uh, violation of team rules, those kind of things. Like, because they don't really disclose a lot of that stuff, correct? Right. Okay. So, obviously, he wasn't arrested. So, it wasn't like I haven't, I've never heard of him being arrested for anything. It wasn't a legal issue. Okay. At least not so far. So, yeah, I mean, that's good. I think once you get into the territory with, um, what's it called, legal issues and stuff. And like you said, abuse obviously is, you know, just an absolute, like, it doesn't matter how good you are, like the... You know, that's that stuff that can't be tolerated, period. Not in fo- not only in football, but in society in general, obviously. So, um, but yeah. And then obviously when you take it the next step further, it's locker room issue. You know what I mean? Like, like Antonio Callaway was a complete knucklehead. Yeah. Like you're so frustrated because the guy is so talented and guys would, you know, you kill to be, you know, getting paid from an NFL team to just go and catch balls. And it's like, you know, yeah, he he's just a, he's pissed the... it away. He's the he's like Willie Gay Jr. the mix of a great athlete and great football player, but he was not there between the years. This article says Willie Gay Jr. that it says there were Mississippi State players ban- banned or suspended because of um, academic dishonesty or academic fraud involving a tutor. But that's just something someone heard. Nobody can say for sure what happened because they're protected by FERPA, Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. So nobody can get to this. Nobody can get to the records to see if Willie Gay Jr. was involved in that or not. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange. You know. Look, you're either, like you said, he's it, it, the athleticism and stuff is football ability is not in question. So if you, you know, you, this is a guy you get a discount on, right? If you find out that the, the off the field issues are, you know, just him being a stupid young person, like a kid, like, okay, everybody does dumb stuff when they're younger. So, I mean, people, shit, old people still do dumb stuff. It's not, you know, dumb stuff is not an elite uh, classification of young people. Obviously, everybody does dumb stuff, but... <laughs> But yeah, like if that's just all it is, then sure, why not? Take a dis, you know, take you get a discount on a really good player, sure. So, but uh, wow, yeah, the, the Lions release veteran defensive tackle Damon Snacks Harrison. 
Yeah, he's bounced around a little bit lately. It's to save $6 million in cap space. I don't know if I would cut Harrison to save $6 million in cap space, though. They must be cooking something up, then. It must be. They must need some specifics for some move they're about to make. Like, yeah, but that's... they're, they're going to trade Slay, too. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I'm curious about. They they really could move down from number three. I mean, if that – if, you know, I'm somebody thinking... wants to get up there to get Tua to make sure they get him ahead of, you know, you know the what? Chargers and Miami. You know what I am calling right now? What you got? Um, Matthew Stafford traded to probably, let's say, the Panthers. Because the Bears, I would say Bears would be number one place they need a quarterback, but the Bears don't have draft capital. But also Matthew Stafford's probably not worth a ton. I mean, at least one first-round pick. But anyway, Matthew Stafford to – the Panthers or the Chargers or hmm. the Patriots or the Bears. I don't know exactly where he's going to go. Lions take Tua. Ooh. Trade Slay for even more draft capital, and they reload. Because hmm. they have TJ Hawkinson. Uh, good God. Galladay. Yeah. And Harrison. Um. The running back's name. You got yeah, they just added uh, Kenyon Johnson. Carry on, yeah, Johnson. Carry on. If he could stay healthy, that'd be that'd be. So if you great. Take, but they are young. You're right. If you take Tua, you take a few offensive linemen, and then you start to rebuild that secondary because you're getting rid of one of the best corners in the game. Obviously, because who wouldn't just do that for fun? Uh, I don't know what their direction is. Also, that would I, I I'm just. Confused by what they're doing with Matt Patricia, he must have the owner's word that he will not get let go because he's making moves that are long-term moves right now. Strange. Strange, hmm. strange world. Um. All right, anyway, well, yeah. we got it uh, number six. We can wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, at six, I have Kenneth Murray. I'm not going to go back over him since we already have. Okay. So I'm going to skip right to number seven, Francis oh. Bernard. All right. Also known as most people's grandpa. Uh, I say that because he is the oldest or one of the oldest players in this draft. Um, he did not get in trouble. That's not why he's the oldest. You're not going to get in trouble. I'm hungry. If anybody knows that quote, I automatically like you so much more. Jack Black, School of Rock. But anyway, uh, Dad, if you're listening, thanks for making me watch that show 400 times as a kid. Francis Bernard, let's talk about him for a second. So, one, he's a good dude off the field. It is perceived that he is a good dude off the field. He was was at BYU, and then he went on a missions trip. uh, And then played five years of college football. So, it's not many many college linebackers that will say, something's calling me to go do a mission strip. So that's the perception that, okay, he's a good dude. Um, He's about six foot tall, and I'm pretty sure I read that he has super short, short arms. I do not know where to look up his arm length, to be honest. But he was a running back, averaging almost seven yards a carry. I think it was in 14 or after he got back from his thing at BYU. 
so he was playing with Taysom Hill, so he's automatically a franchise linebacker, Francis Bernard is. Uh, but he went to Utah, and he had only 162 yards on 23 of 28 targets. Yeah, yeah. And um, he – I I don't know what it was about him. Number seven is obviously super high for a player that is old. He is short. He has stubby arms. And he's not uber athletic. But he is all there between the ears. He is already a seasoned player. This is a guy that you can take in the fifth through seventh round and plug and play right away. Uh you know, he's not Mac Wilson who's take he's gonna need a few more years to get ready because Mac is still young and still unexperienced inexperienced. Uh you could see that a lot in pass coverage sets especially. Bernard is not like that. He is all there. And it also, in my opinion, helps greatly that he was a leader on a Utah defense that was so spectacular. I think a lot of those Utah defensive players are getting overlooked. Jalen Blackman is top 10 in my safeties. He's not even close in most people's list. Terrell Burgess is probably in my top 10 as well. I think both of their safeties were top 10. Um, part of that is uh, Julian Blackman's versatility. And then they have a cornerback I have in my top 10 with uh, Jalen Johnson. So I think a lot of this Utah defense is being overlooked. I don't know if it's because Pac-12. I don't know if it's because... Well, they were so good as a unit. Maybe that um, that helped some of their stats and stuff. They were just good players. Francis Bernard is a hell of a linebacker, but he doesn't do anything flashy, and he doesn't have any flashy height or um, length or anything like that. So that's what hurts him and his age, obviously. Sure. Okay. Um, so my, uh, my number six was Zach Vaughn. Um, and obviously you touched on him. The only thing I'll add real fast is that um, for me, this guy, his uh, his IQ uh, is stands out big time. A real, real smart player um, and just understands the game and just gets has a re- real great feel for, um, you know, the position and everything like that. And obviously, like you said, he was a, you know, played a lot of edge rusher, um, which is interesting that he, you know, he's basically translating. He's pretty much going to be a linebacker in the NFL. Um the uh, technique is fundamental and sound. He's really, really solid with that. This isn't somebody who's sloppy or lazy or anything, uh, which translates to his third quality that I really like, which is uh, this: his motor is, he's just always going. Uh, this guy's last rep of practice will look the same as his first rep because he's not someone who, you know, he's not a quitter. He doesn't walk away. He's just, he's just Mr. Tryhard. Um which is fantastic. These are the kind of guys where, you know, like even if he's not a captain necessarily on the team, like he makes other guys better because, you know, they're going to see his motivation and his willingness to, you know, just always ball out and practice everywhere. And other guys look at that. That stuff's contagious. So that's that's a really, really, you know, uh, interesting trait and a really cool thing to have as a positive. Um, negative side, which is really ironic, is that, He's he's not long, so he he will not play edge rusher in the NFL, and that's why he translated as a linebacker, because um, length will be an issue. So this is somebody who will you know, like I said, linebacker in the NFL. Um, it'll 
if he lands on a team where they get to move him around uh, and let him kind of, they don't really, that length weakness doesn't become a real issue, then he'll be fine. Um, so he just needs a creative defensive coordinator and somebody who realizes, you know, his strengths and weaknesses. But uh, yeah, uh, I like him a lot. That's for sure. Um, and then my number seven was uh, Akeem Davis Gaither. And also somebody like you mentioned, would you have him two or three? Three. Three. Okay. So um, yeah, he's 6'2", 219. Um, I fit, he's really physical. He's very long and lateral agility is fantastic. So, you know, definitely positives that jump off the page. Um, he does need size, like he needs to add bulk, but it looks like he has the frame to add it. So I don't think that shouldn't be an issue at all. Uh, hopefully him adding bulk won't take away from the athleticism and the explosiveness. Like, mm. you know, you're not, you don't want him to turn into like, Oh, we need you to gain 20 pounds. And then you're like, Oh, this guy's a slug now. Like he can't do any, you know, he just can't move now. Like that's a problem. So, but, uh, and then, um, his inexperience shows up sometimes, like sometimes he'll like try to run around a block, like, cause he wants to make a tackle and that's great. But like you, we don't need you to make that tackle. Like you have to stack that block and you know what I mean? Like that, that is your responsibility. That can't happen. Like you can't leave that and go do what you want to do. So that's just inexperience. And you know, it, it, that goes, that kind of stuff goes away with more reps. So I, that's not like a huge concern, but it's just one of the negatives that I noticed. But, um, but yeah. Uh, I like him a lot, and, and I don't uh, combine. Hopefully, I don't know if he is invited or not. I'm hoping he is, but um, he better be. But yeah, if he balls out and then he put on a little bit of weight, this is definitely somebody you could see popping up. So that'd be great. Um, who else is on uh, left on your list? So I really only have one more that um, I want to talk about in depth, but another one that. PFF has in their top 10. So I watched him. Um, Logan Wilson. He's interesting. He has been like a lead leaguer. He has been a league leader in tackles the past few seasons. But he has almost no athleticism. And he's playing in the whatever conference Wyoming's in. Probably the Mountain oh. West. Yeah, I was gonna say Wyoming, right? Mountain West. Yeah, he. Yeah. He, I would almost say does nothing in the NFL, but he's just—it's interesting to see if a great college player can translate. But the linebacker that interests me a lot that I don't think is getting any talk at all, and probably mostly for good reasons, is Cameron Brown of Penn State, a six-five-two-thirty, and he moves like a wide receiver. He he had, just kind of like Simmons, had reps on the line of scrimmage. He played at linebacker. He played slot receiver. He played covering the slot. Um, he is a good tackler. Like, he was able to get in and hit people hard, basically, is what you, what you want on your linebacker. But... He's 6'5", 230. That's lean. That's really lean for a linebacker. Um, the biggest issues I had outside of his weight and strength were just the fact that he was almost over-athletic sometimes. You know, like he would way out, way 
he's just like too fast for his own good sometimes. I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like hmm. Scooby Doo when they run too far and then they try to stop and they slide for ten feet because that's how sure. that's how it works on concrete. Yeah, that's um, a good comparison. I could yeah, everybody's right now is picturing exactly that. That's a good. Yeah. Uh, that's he a does good, not uh, start out image. like Scooby Doo though. Him and no, he's not. Shaggy and Scooby <laughs> trying to get going, but uh, he he just was too fast for his own good. Sometimes I think in today's modern NFL, he can be a undrafted or even just late round pick because he's if he is invited to the combine, which I would be surprised if he's not. He's a senior at a big time college. Uh, I'd say most Penn State players that have a legitimate ability will probably go. I don't know, but if even if he's not able to go at the combine, his pro day will be one that somebody tweets out his pro day numbers, and then it's spread throughout social media like a wildfire. Like, what did he just do? Um, so I'm excited for that. He, I thought he had more positives than negatives, to be honest. When I was watching him, hmm. in today's modern NFL, that's how I'm judging him. Like, what will he do against? the Kansas City Chiefs or the Ravens, you know, the two of the most different and innovative offenses in the NFL. It, it's interesting. I, I think he's really interesting. And out of – if I had to pick a player that's not on anybody's top ten that I thought would make it, it would either, it would be Cameron Brown for sure. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I would – anyone out there, I would recommend go watching him. He was – he was, yeah, I mean, he's good. He does have some very bad traits. That's why he's not in anyone's top ten. But good player, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Anybody else? No. The, okay. This I think this linebacker class is pretty eight person heavy. Um. Eight yeah. People we had. I would say there's a pretty solid consensus at the top, and then after that, you're going to get a bunch of filling guys. But uh. Yeah. yeah, I think for the most part, you can, like, I mean, obviously, Patrick Queen is a big difference, you know, between you and I even. So there's a few guys that are definitely. I would say on uh, most boards, it will be uh, Simmons and then Queen, Murray, and Die in some shape for. People really love Murray and uh, Queen, which I don't, I don't hate that at all. But I think Queen and Murray both get a little help from their teams being good and being in big time games that people get to see them more. But then also their upside is huge. I just think they have low uh, floors, but they have super high ceilings too, especially Kenneth Murray, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. So intriguing class though. Um, just really interesting guys. Like, like I said, Simmons is just unbelievable. After that, there's, you know, you can fill in the rest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ranking lists, obviously, and we just gave you ours. But uh, there's there's plenty of uh, opinions on that. And um, but yeah, we'll see. Interesting guys, like we said, not not a premier position, technically speaking, as far as you know, free agency and who gets paid and what you want to draft high and early on uh, the NFL. But you know, I mean, the the value of a you know a solid linebacker is just you know, I, uh, the value of a great linebacker is is obviously you know. You can't say enough about it. So, um, yeah. yeah, there's That's definitely a few of those guys in there. Linebacker's so this a hard, was, uh, hard position to evaluate, too, because you don't know how much of it was scheme-dependent or teammate-dependent or even just 
did he have the coaching to elevate him to that level? I think I think it's a really hard one because they're asked to do just like tight ends more than any other position on the field on defensive side. And well, yeah, and and to your point, taking it one step further, even schematically, like look at look at the way most college offenses are running. You know, a lot of spread stuff, right? Like all spread, right? Like a lot of hurry up or you know, no huddle things like that. Like it's a very very different game. Um, and yes, you see a lot of college concepts creep into the NFL. And of course, smart stuff is going to prevail, you know, ev- at every level, any coach sees something that works and they're going to say, yeah, we need to incorporate that obviously. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you play three years of linebacker in college, you get to the NFL and you're like, whoa, this is really, really different. Like, Hey, there's a fullback on the other side. Like what, what's a fullback? Like, oh yeah, that's like a, that's like a you, but on the offense, it's you're like, Johnny oh my Stanton. God. That guy looks like just like me, Johnny Stanton. Correct. Yeah. yeah so it's it's really different, and um, like you said, hard. Like, how, what if you know you get to the NFL and you've never seen any of this stuff, and it's like you know some guy they, some guys can't handle that. Other guys, you know, they do exceptionally well. So you know, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting, that's for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a fun position to kind of go over and look at stuff. Um, do you mind if we uh, tease next week real fast? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is really cool, everybody. So uh, next week, um, we're going to most likely Thursday, we'll be recording the uh, the position we're going to do is running backs. Um, and we're going to have a guest on. Um, we're going to have, uh, a, well, it's my brother. Uh, we're going to have Coach Tom Kaufman from uh, Kent State University. So he's the defensive coordinator at Kent State. Um, and uh, we, we tried to get him on today. We had some scheduling issues. So we're going to shoot for next week. Hopefully, we'll make that happen. Um, but... Uh, the Kent State, they played against, so he had to coach against um, both Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin and Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. Um, and that and then, funky fullback from Kennesaw State that went around the, yeah. the internet the other day. Yeah, that's true. Right. So we can, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, you know, not a true running back guy and he won't be, hot, you know, no, top five on the prospect list, but we can definitely no. talk about him. Um, and then we'll definitely make sure to touch on, since they uh, you know, Kent State beat Utah State in the Frisco Bowl um, this past December. So we can definitely talk about Jordan Love because um, obviously, you know, Tommy had to game plan and prepare for that. So and that'll he, be an interesting yeah. guy. Because, um, yeah, I'm really curious to hear what he thinks about him because that's Love is a very polarizing, you know, quarterback prospect this year. So, but, um, but yeah, so hopefully no scheduling issues. We'll be able to uh, get him on and uh, get him to, you know, we'll hear his opinion on, uh, some of these college running backs, Jordan Love, um, and uh, yeah, guys he actually coached against. So very exciting. Uh, I can't wait for that one for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm reading a tweet right now from Jim Nagy. No one more explosive in this year's draft than LSU football linebacker Patrick Queen. Whew. Uh, but then That's he does right. go on to say knocking guys into the bench area is something you see in movies. So he's not talking about his explosiveness in the bottom half just as a ability to push someone it was a good shove but in my linebacker i need them to be able to move side to side um <laughs> no but gotcha jim Nagy. Hmm. all right maybe we'll get patrick queen on the podcast and i can talk shit to his face and we'll get jim Nagy on and we can he and i can team up against you i'll take you down it's not like you created <laughs> the senior bowl or something uh, uh... <laughs> Anyway, uh, fantastic. You can find us 
where you always do. I'm at Chandler Adams on both Twitter and Instagram. And something I've been doing, uh, college f- basketball betting. I do not like to bet on sports at the beginning of the year because God knows you do not know what's going to happen. Thankfully, I didn't bet on the NFL week one through six because the Browns were 0-6 against the spread the first six weeks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, college basketball, you can go find those on www.atbsports.net or my social media pages. I went 4-0 to start the season on the 17th, and I wrote 4-4 tonight. I think I'm 2-0 and so far of games that have started, but, John, you tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, at Cleveland Spider on Twitter, and that's Spider with a Y, S-P-Y-D-E-R. Um, and, uh, yeah, then you can find my writing on, uh, our website, uh, www.atbsports.net. And, um, yeah, so, um, got a, uh, now that the Browns staff is complete, I'm going to hopefully get this done soon and get it posted. Just a kind of a synopsis on the Brown staff, who they hired. So just talking about some of the new guys so that we're all aware of who these guys are, where they come from, you know, some of their pedigree, um, and then at some point before the draft, I will post uh, – I'm working on an article that talks about how uh, – just how hard the draft is, how much of a crapshoot it is. And, um, you know, just the fact that they're the, – the idea of the myth of like really good GMs that can pick out talent and know – you know, they know football players when they see them. Like that that really is, you know, a myth and stuff. So – um, but I want it to be nice, you know, well-researched so it's not just me spitting opinions. Like, I, you know, it should be uh, – something that's well-founded so you can hopefully have a lot of evidence, you know, to look at and say, Oh, okay. I, I see where you're coming from. So, but, uh, but yeah, so that's what's on the docket for me, but um, yeah, more immediately, hopefully next week, uh, coach Tom Kaufman on the pod talking about running backs. Yeah. Can't wait for it. See you all then. All right. Y'all take care.